Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we got Greg Wissinger joining the podcast, committed to it pretty early on, and then uh, what do you know, the Lakers go into a triple overtime game. The Kings go into a triple overtime game in LA against the Lakers. How you doing, Greg? Powered through, late for you. Man, I agreed to this podcast like two hours ago. <laughs> like, this is a late night for me. It's almost one here in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? It was a great Kings game. They ended up getting the victory in triple overtime. You know, oh. I, the Lakers struggled, but it's the Lakers. Hold on. It, it, it was not a great Kings game. I mean, it's well. great to beat the Lakers. <laughs> it's always great to beat the Lakers. It was not a good Kings game by any stretch. Like, let's let's call it what it was. That was an ugly game for most of it. It just ended in a really fun way. <laughs> it, it was a very ugly game. Um, yeah, people talk about the Lakers not being so hot this year and could see it, um, I was going to say a little bit, but for most of that game. Um, yeah, there was some tough shot making on both sides. Rashawn Holmes not available. Harrison Barnes not available. Maurice Harkless ends up not returning to the game in this one. Um, I don't know if we actually got any clarification post game, if it was anything all too concerning, but um, I I should have this, but I forget what the exact diagnosis was with what was going on with him, but it wasn't anything that sounded all too concerning there, but the Kings were missing a lot of guys. And um, with that being the case, a lot stepped up, you know, Alvin Gentry, played 11 different players tonight and that's something that we didn't really see Luke doing I mean I I mentioned that different guys were out so Gentry kind of was forced to go deeper into his bench but we also saw this happen in the last game against Portland Marvin Bagley and Damian Jones were closing the game Um, what, what do you think about Alvin Gentry kind of being more willing to go deeper into his bench than what we saw Walton do I like it I I complained about it for pretty much most of the time that Walton was here, especially this year when we're being told the Kings are deeper. Well, that depth doesn't mean anything if you only stick to the eight guys that you decided pregame we're going to play that night. I mean, I always felt, and this is just kind of my personal theory on it, was that Walton, being a former player, felt like he would identify a matchup and would try to let guys play through their struggles, kind of putting his faith in the player to figure it out. Whereas Gentry, he's been around. Like he knows, like, hey, sometimes a guy's just not feeling it, and I'm not going to bring the team down to let that guy figure it out. I mean, like you said, 11 guys played tonight, 13 guys available. The only guys who didn't play were Jemias Rams and Lewis King, which. You know, some people would prefer to see those guys get a few minutes. Some too. listeners are not happy. <laughs> and, and some hosts of this podcast, you know. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but I liked that he was mixing it up. And there were obviously some guys that I thought maybe should have played more or less or whatever it might have been. But I like that the coach is willing to, like, roll guys out and see what's working and then stick with the guys who are working. I mean, some guys played a lot of minutes and didn't do a whole lot, but for the most part, the guys who played the heaviest minutes are also the guys who had the best stat lines at the end of the night. So I'm a fan of the way that Gentry is willing to go deeper into the bench, willing to see what matchups work, because 
if you're not willing to adapt, you're not willing to change your game plan. You're you're just betting on the fact that you knew the answers before the game started. Yeah. And, you know, Walton did play with lineups towards the end of his of his season. Um, that was that was pretty short. Like when they were playing well, he was primarily rolling out an eight man lineup and saying that, you know, those were the guys that he trusted to kind of set the style of play that they wanted and they would slowly sprinkle more guys in. And then as rebounding became more of an issue, for example, he inserted Metsu into the lineup and, and started playing with it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we, we've heard Gentry say many, many times that he's going to play with the lineups until he finds things that he thinks works. And, you know, he had a quote the other night after the really poor Philadelphia game, which was the first game of his interim tenure saying that, I don't care about the name on the back of the jersey. If you're not going to run, we're going to find somebody that will. Um, I don't I don't think that was any sort of the case tonight, but just speaks to his willingness to go deeper into the bench. And I think the three guys that stand out, you know, has, has to do with some of the injuries that we mentioned, but Marvin Bagley getting a lot of minutes, closing games. Terrence Davis got minutes really early in this one against LA. I want to say he was part of the first substitution into the game in this one. Very and early then, sub. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and he played well um did he and he i think he filled what the role that you would ask you know i I think he probably started to do a little bit too much in a way that we've kind of grown to expect from terrence davis but i think that like the big thing with harrison going down is that you only have three real shooters on this team right in harrison buddy and halliburton so i think you kind of needed to be throwing another one out there and, and davis felt like that that guy you know I think specifically during his first stint in the first quarter he played well later it wasn't all too hot but he played um towards the like middle of the fourth as well like he he filled his minutes okay I mean he he kind of fills the buddy healed role of a guy who's gonna take shots that you wish he wouldn't and like he gets some points but it's hasn't been terribly efficient I mean he finished with 13 points on 15 shots and one of nine from three. Yeah. Like Davis has not been good since preseason and I'm not counting much on preseason. Like he had, he had some good games at the end of last season after the Kings acquired him for nothing. But so far this season, there's not been a lot there that tells me that the Kings like swindled Toronto in that deal. Like he's not been awful value for a second round pick, but, I don't think Terrence Davis is the answer. I mean, he he did come in and give the Kings minutes and they needed a lot of minutes in a game that went this long, but I didn't feel like it was a good game. Yeah. I I think at first it it went well and that's kind of what stood out to me. And then he was, like I said, part of that lineup at the beginning of the beginning, middle of the fourth that I thought was doing well and hanging in there. And they just kind of need a guy like, a lot of the actions that you see are involve one, I was going to say player, but it's Buddy Healed. And then it was Davis when it wasn't Buddy um, running in these actions. And, and he seems to be a focal point in defense that sometimes get distracted by that guy. So it was like Davis is the guy that you can throw out there and fill that exact same role. Um, doesn't do it as well, obviously. But I think just being willing to throw him out there and, um, yeah, I mean, we I saw a positive stretch from him when he was first thrown out there, and I think he feels like a rhythm player. So I think giving him an opportunity to potentially get that rhythm back has some value. He's still 24 years old. Like, Davis could still come around, but 
absolutely right. Like he he's been bad to start the year. Um, showed a couple moments of promise in this one, but yeah, I certainly didn't realize one of nine from three is what we ended up with there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gentry's been willing to throw him out there in a way that I think we've seen Luke hesitant to do. He did it a little bit at the beginning of the year. Um, and let's, let's mention Bagley. I, I talked about him briefly there before, but he ended up closing that game against Portland. He hit what maybe has was the biggest shot of his career, which is something. Um, he, he hit a really big three in that Portland game and it, and no, it was great was to a- see that go down. That was such a cool moment. Like I, I didn't watch that game until the day after, and I was watching. And I was like, that was a really cool moment. Like, hit a huge shot, huge moment. Came a big crowds going nuts for him. Like, it was cool to see, and I'm sure he felt like a sense of vindication in that moment. And you know, teammates were coming around because Portland called a timeout. Like everyone was, you know, giving him love. Like that was a cool moment for him. And and he did play well tonight. Like he. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the stat line is okay. It doesn't jump off compared to some of the others, but, I mean, 13 points on only five shots. One-on-one from three, seven rebounds, four. Like, he had a good game. Which is like, whoa. Like, (laughs) he played within himself. He wasn't forcing a lot. Like, he was – and he had some good defensive possessions as well. I mean, the big issue with him – the main guy guarding LeBron late in the game. Down the stretch because going back to Terrence Davis, Terrence Davis couldn't stop LeBron and they had to do something different. And and Bagley's length bothered LeBron. And I mean, we've talked a lot about Bagley's defensive issues. Most of those are with off ball and how he loses his man and gets killed on backdoor cuts. I mean, but man on man defense, like he stepped up tonight and credit to him. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Fox. Talked him up a little bit post game about him guarding Braun, and he was assigned to AD tonight against LA, and he held his own. Um, you know, I, I think that LeBron probably could have done a little bit more against Bagley. Um, I, I don't think that Braun did a great job of taking advantage of that matchup, but I don't want to take anything away from Bagley. Like it was much better than I expected for sure, and for him to be the best option out there, um, you know, no Barnes or Harkless, who probably would have been one and two. But between the guys available, like, it became clear Bagley was the best option out there, which is certainly saying something for a guy that got who knows how many DNP CDs in a row this season. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, LeBron, I don't think, took the most advantage of that matchup and wasn't making good decisions or good shots, but that's always that chicken and the egg thing, right? Like, is it, was he taking bad shots because of Bagley's bad or because of bad Bagley's good defense or was Bagley getting lucky and the defense looked better because of LeBron's bad shots. Like it's hard to parse it out. Right. I mean, we don't know 100%, but it's probably a bit of both, but we can still credit Bagley for what he did in that game. Absolutely. And then on the offensive end, I think, like you said, uh, played within himself, which is a big deal um, for compared to what we've talked about with Bagley before. Mm -hmm. Um, And and going back to that Portland one a little bit, I thought he had a stretch that was really bad right before that promising moment where he hit that three. And right before that three, he also had a really nice finish where he kind of caught somebody off guard because he went back to his left hand, which is ironic. Um, but it was just the way that he took the shot. I, I think it was like 
something that you clearly would go with your right. And he somehow managed to make it happen with his left. So ironically kind of tricked somebody with going back to his left hand. But right before he had a moment where he had um, saved, went to save a ball and it kind of um, went straight into the hands of a Portland player and caused an easy to practically an offensive rebound, which we've heard over and over and over that being a primary issue for the Kings. And then on the other end, he caught the ball under the basket dribbled one time, looked like he was panicking, didn't know what to do with it again when he picked it up and dribbled it again. And I've never seen such like a blatant double dribble. It was like, whoa, like, yeah, a bunch of guys looked towards each other like, whoa, that was that was something. And then on the next possession, you see Bagley get the ball on offense and you could almost like hear it in the stadium like, oh, shit, here we go again. And then he ended the game great. Like, and I think the fact that there was a timeout after those two plays before he had the two possessions on offense that were really impactful in that Portland game. And he didn't get pulled, which I, you, I would think has to do a lot for his confidence. You know, I, I think that he probably expected to get benched after that. I certainly expected him to get benched after that for Maurice Harkless. We didn't see that happen. And I think just the willingness of Gentry to keep him out there ended up paying off. I mean, it's a, it's a very ballsy decision, but I I would think that your coach displaying confidence in you in that way after two really troublesome plays probably plays factors a lot into the mindset of Bagley. And and like, clearly, you know, they believe in, in what I'm able to contribute. And that's the reason that I'm out there. And yeah, 35 minutes tonight in this triple OT against the Lakers guarding LeBron and AD, like you got to think that compared to where we were at earlier in the year that the Bagley's confidence has got to be on an upswing, which I would imagine is pretty useful for a young player with the sort of complications that he's had to deal with. So it's been good to see him back a part of the rotation. I mean, if we're going to talk about pace and rebounding being two big focal points, I mean, what are the two things Bagley can really contribute in? Well, at least you hope so, right? And, you know, even if the long-term relationship is not going to be there. Like even if Bagley is not destined to be with the Kings beyond the trade deadline, like him coming out and playing well is good for the Kings, both in the short-term and long-term. Like if they're still trying to move him, him coming out and having good games and playing well and having a coach who has a little trust in him, like that's beneficial for everyone in the long run. Yeah. And then the other guy, I want to talk about is uh, Damian Jones only got five minutes in this game against the Lakers um, got some early opportunity and it was apparent that, I mean, he, he didn't play bad, but I think that Len and Thompson played a really good game in this one, but he played a really good game. Damian Jones, that is against Portland ended up closing that one um, and had some big moments on both ends of the floor. He had a really nice putback dunk that is a career highlight. I would assume for him at, at the current point in his career. And, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Holmes being out definitely factors in. But with Walton, we saw a lot of, all right, it's going to be Holmes and one other guy. And then there were some moments of, um, you know, unexpected. The other guy, that being Leonard Thompson, wasn't doing great. So then he would look in the other direction. But that was rare. And so far during Gentry's three games, it's been very quick of, okay, this guy isn't working. We have another big that's about on his level. So we're going to see if this change works. And he's gone through all three of these bigs in the last two games. So there's a clear willingness to try out these different centers. And that's led to Damian Jones getting more opportunity. And 
And I thought he sh- he shined during that. Each all three of them give them a different look, and it's not doesn't seem to be as preset. We're gonna go with these two going into this game. Like I think there's an idea, but if it doesn't work, he's more willing to look in a different direction. Um, are you kind of seeing the same thing? And and how do you feel about it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we we talked about this before. Like how many games before Gentry took over did we see Len and Thompson playing the same game? Like. And I understand Holmes was out, but we saw Len, we saw Thompson, we saw Bagley, we saw Jones. Like, every big they had available played tonight. And, you know, Harkless, like, got dinged up and and couldn't come back in. And maybe that's a factor, right? Maybe those five minutes for Jones would have gone to Harkless. Who knows? But Gendry's playing all the guys and, and using all the tools and seeing what works. I thought I would have liked to have seen Jones play a little bit more tonight. Just I like what he brings every time he's on the floor. But it it's hard to argue when I mean Len was playing well overall. Thompson was playing well overall. Bagley, like we talked about, was playing well. So it's hard to quibble too much with the big man minutes. But it, it kind of goes also to that thing we're talking about. Gentry's gonna roll out and see what's working. It doesn't matter what you did last game. Are you playing well this game? Great. If you are, you're going to keep playing. If not, all right, maybe it's not your night. We're going to save you for the next night. You know, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, definitely not. I asked Gentry after this Lakers game, kind of uh, when when Roland Bagley out there is certain aspects of what he brings that he's seeing as beneficial when he throws him out there and, you know, closing with him. And he was just like, you know, this is the lineup that was working to close the game tonight. So that's the lineup that we stuck with. We saw that happen against Portland as well. Um, So it it really does seem like we've heard Gentry say it a lot, that he's going to try a lot of different things and whatever's working on that given night, he's going to stick with, you know, I think that Fox Halliburton and I mean, with the injuries that we have right now to Barnes and Holmes, it's kind of like, Fox and Halliburton and then whatever other three are working. Um, Maybe when those guys are healthy, that Barnes is probably part of that three. I would assume that's a lock. You would think that Holmes probably is as well. Although Holmes's play has has been kind of suspect at times this year. It's been like a weird, it's been a weird, I would say a down start for Holmes. Would you agree with that? I mean, it, it was very hit or miss, but I also think some of that was, we saw a lot of games where the bigs, whether it was Holmes or whoever else was in, were just not being featured at all in the offense. Like mm-hmm. the offense was not set up to get the big guys looks. And obviously the Kings best players, or at least the players that they're expected to highlight are going to be Fox, Halliburton, you know, Barnes, and then kind of Holmes after that. And, and so, or, or, you know, you could throw Buddy in from an offensive standpoint as well. So, I mean, the Kings aren't built to feature the big men, but I feel like the last couple of games we've seen a little bit more where, I mean, Bagley had 13 points, Thompson had 13 points, Len had 12. I mean, we, they got solid contributions from multiple big men where we're seeing them get the looks. And some of this even started before Walton was let go. I mean, he even talked about it in press conferences that he needed to feature the big man more. He needed to get Holmes looks, all those different things. So it, it's not necessarily that 
it's all gentry, but I think we're seeing more where the big men are getting the looks and, and getting those opportunities. I still think Holmes can be a valuable contributor on the offensive end. He's very efficient. He has, you know, obviously the push shot that never misses. He, when he draws fouls, he's very good from the line. So there's a lot of ways that Holmes can still be worked in there. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you're, I see what you're saying with the, the bigs being a little bit more involved in them being asked to make decisions out of the short roll. I, I think we've seen a lot. Fox mentioned that a little bit with Bagley and him doing that well tonight. I think Alex Len has been really good at passing out of the short roll these last two games. Um, that's been really surprising to me. You know, we talk about Holmes being the clear best pick and roll offensive option with these centers. And I think that's absolutely the case, but I think that Len has really impressed me on that end with him being far and away the best screen setter. And then some of the, like I said, decision-making in the short role has been nice and yeah, finishing improvements would be, um, would be nice there, but you know, I'm absolutely for what Len is as a player and what he's expected to be, what he did in his 37 minutes against LA and what we've seen from him recently. Um, no complaints, you know, he had a huge offensive rebound. I believe it was at the end of regulation that led to um, Sacramento being able to tie that game. And uh, you mentioned buddy. I want to talk about him. We, last time you were on here, I think we, we disagreed a little bit about Buddy, and I think that today was like a great representation of what Buddy is. So he goes 0 of 9 in regulation, or I'm sorry, 1 of 9 from the 3. 1 of 9. Yeah. And it was like, man, Buddy can't hit anything. Some of them were bad looks, um, but it's it's Buddy, right? We, we talked about this last time. Like, Buddy's the guy that you're okay taking contested shots. So you you live in um, – James and Sean say you live by the Buddy, you die by the Buddy, which I think is a great way to put it. And – He's had games that he saved the Kings, but one of nine in regulation. And then he goes two of four during the three overtimes. One of them comes with 28 seconds left in the first overtime to tie the game at 110. Just an absolutely huge shot. He hits this really big, like weird floater <laughs> jump shot in that same overtime right in the next possession that ties it at 112 and sends it to double overtime like man if if i could just get a quarter of the confidence that buddy healed had man i would just do so much for me in life like this was this was a very buddy healed game and he pulled through the kings don't win this without buddy um yeah i mean they, they need shooting on this team they need a guy that's willing to put up this volume and He's certainly doing that three of 13 and he, and he came up big after a interesting first four quarters. I mean, finishes the game three of 13 from three, 25 points on 21 shots overall. Like he wasn't bad when he wasn't shooting threes, but he's chucking the threes like, and he's been doing it all year. Right. I mean, he, and like you said, it's kind of that live by the sword, die by the sword where, if Buddy's hitting shots, the Kings re- look really good, and, and his splits show that too. Like in wins, Buddy Hill has great stats. In losses, Buddy Hill does not have good stats at all. I think that there's some shot selection that needs to happen that isn't right now. But yeah, I mean, part of what makes Buddy a valuable scoring presence, especially in a bench role, is that. He doesn't give a crap if he's one of nine. He's still going to launch those threes in overtime or double overtime or whatever it might come. 
and he's not going to think twice about it. He's going to see the green light wherever it's there. So there's value to it, but I don't know that I'd call it a good buddy healed game, even though he had those two big shots. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know that I I would either, (laughs) but it was, I think it was a very, a very buddy healed game. Um, I mean, the funny thing about this game, though, is like it's a triple overtime win against the Lakers. We're all excited about that. But like how many players on the Kings would you say had a good game tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's not many. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, no, it's a tough one. And then at the same time, you look at the Lakers, how many players on the Lakers had a good game? Like it was like you said, it was it was a very sloppy basketball game. Yeah. Um like Fox played 53 minutes. That Holy is nuts. <laughs> whoa. Um Halliburton played 47. Buddy played 40. 53 minutes though. Um Bagley yeah, f- played 35 and he had the fifth most minutes yeah. of anyone on the team. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Um I do think Fox has looked like better these last two games. He still needs to pick it up. It, it, we still need more from Fox. We need Fox to be the guy, but I think the level of aggression we've seen these last two games and he got ejected in that Portland one, but I think prior to getting ejected, he was playing really aggressive and well. Um, I think we've seen him like fully getting to the rim a little bit more often, which is where he was elite last year. And it seems like a lot of times um, he is just getting more mid range shots. And I do really like his mid range. Like, I think that's a shot that he needs to be able to hit consistently because it's going to be there for him consistently. Um, but it it feels like he's gotten fully to the rim a little bit more often in these last few games, still need more from him. Like 34 and eight looks great, but you consider it's a triple overtime game. He shot the ball 32 times. I mean, he made 15 of them. Like that's a fine rate, but I mean, I I think the Foxes looked a little bit better these last two games. You know, we've heard Gentry mention pace a stupid amount of times, every single post game, pregame conference. It's like, you try to ask him something and he somehow brings it back to pace. And, you know, I, I think we've seen it a little bit more. I mean, it, that was something that Walton said a lot too, but you hear just even more hammered down with Gentry and it feels like it's gotten picked up a little bit, at least like Walton, we saw it, but then it would go away. And I feel like it's been more consistent with Gentry aside from that Sixers game, which I'm choosing to absolutely ignore because yeah. The biggest thing that bums me out about that is that we wasted over two years just to get right back to what Dave Yeager figured out about this team. Yeah. Like, oh, they need to run to maximize Fox. <laughs> like, they they need to be a fast team. They need to have pace. They need to have Buddy come off the bench. Like, everything that Yeager got fired for pushing, like, is now where we're back to after the Walton experiment. Yeah. Um yeah, full circle for sure, but it, it seems to be it seems to be going all right. I think that. Yeah, I'm not trying to be a downer. It's just yeah. it's annoying more than anything else. Like, <laughs> absolutely no, you're, you're completely on point with it, and yeah, it's definitely worth noting. Um, it does feel a little bit gen- different with Gentry. Like I know we've heard a lot of it's going to be the same offense. We're not going to change all too much, but I think that. Um, like for example, in, in the presser today, he comes out and says right away that there was a play at the beginning of, or at the end of the second overtime that didn't go well. He should have called a timeout 
And he said, you know, the game probably should have been lost there and took absolute credit for it and said that that was his bad. Um, it's not that Walton never took credit for anything. There were plenty of times where Walton was, you know, he was, wasn't going to throw a player under the bus. It was more of a, I, I got to figure out how to get that guy more shots. But I think that was very direct from Gentry. And like, this is a time that I have to be better. This is the very specific moment. Um, yeah, just the kind of, you know, I don't care about your name, the name on the back of the jersey. If you're not running, we're going to find somebody who will, um, which we'll see how much he doesn't actually care about the guy, name on the back of the jersey because there's one guy I kind of think of where it's like, are you really going to pull him? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a change. Talking about Alex Len. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, it's a little bit of a change. I, I think in in the way that things are being said, and I think just the willingness to try out different lineups is the big thing that stands out to me. We saw a four guard lineup for a little while today: um, Fox, Davion Mitchell, Terrence Davis, Buddy Heald, and Alex Len. We also saw that same lineup with Bagley at the five. I can't tell you the last time we saw Bagley at the five. Um, we saw a lot of Bagley, Harkless, and a center, or Harkless, Metu, and a center, like. There's just a lot of willingness to try different lineups, which feels different from Gentry. And um, yeah, we, we've heard about the depth a lot. So who knows what's going to stick at this point? And I, I like the willingness to try that from Gentry. I think that's a that's a big thing that sticks out to me here. And we're going to see how how that fares moving forward. It's done all right in these last two games. Like I said, let's maybe try to overlook what the hell went wrong in that Sixers game where you lose to a team without five of their starters um yeah that that was horrific but now they got a game on the road second of this short two game road trip in memphis we don't know the status of john morant i would guess that he's not playing it seems like that injury wasn't as serious as some people feared it might be but yeah i mean getting these two getting this next one in memphis as well all of a sudden you're looking at a three game win streak and you seem like your tides start to change and, and moods start to lift a little bit pretty quickly in the NBA. And it seems like we're headed towards that. Yeah. I mean, have these two wins been like super confidence inspiring? Maybe, maybe not, but I mean, there there's enough there that, Hey, like I said, there's differences we're seeing. It's not the same eight man rotations. Gentry's willing to try some things that Walton didn't seem to be willing to try. And, Maybe that's enough. Maybe there is actually enough depth here. I'm not saying this team's going to suddenly become the five seed in the West, but maybe it's enough to at least be respectable and have it be worth watching the rest of the season. Yeah, hopefully. Um, after this game, the Kings are sitting. I mean, at the we're watching seat. it either way, so I hope it's good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully, there's <laughs> enough people that take in the content. Is what we're really saying here. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Kings are sitting at the 11 seed, a game and a half behind Minnesota, who Minnesota has been on a tear recently. They actually just lost their most recent game. It must have been tonight. It was against Charlotte, but prior to that, they had been going on a pretty nice uh five game win streak of their own including some decent opponent opponents that started with their win against the kings so you know we're, we're talking about how there's uh not great competition for that 10 seed but it does seem to be picking up if if minnesota is going to be the primary competition there and uh they're picking it up then sacramento needs to do the same and and hopefully that's that's what we're starting to see here and next matchup is like i said 
at Memphis against the Grizzlies. So keeping that good momentum rolling would obviously be a great thing for this Kings team now led by Alvin Gentry and uh, no news right now on, on Harkless Barnes or Rashawn Holmes, but none of them seem to be long-term concerns or anything like that. And maybe this is actually a deep team that can uh, cover up for some of those things. So maybe, maybe that is the case at very least Gentry is going to try and find out for us. So that's where we're at. Do you have any, uh, any final thoughts here, Greg? Uh, I'll just wrap it up by stealing a thought from our friend Tim Maxwell that maybe this team doesn't need small forwards after all. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Well, Marvin Bagley, you know. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So that is going to do it for this episode of the Kings Bulls podcast. Definitely check out all the great work going on at the Kings Herald. And take a look at the Patreon to support Look Flip independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Bulls podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.